If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. Undercover Jet Setter Healthcare. All right, I am no longer just a TV host. I am a hot leg model. Well, not really, but my legs look and feel much better. You're going to meet the doctor in the Carolinas who took care of me. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Undercover Jet Setter. I'm John Daly. We're going to talk uh, some medical and health stuff in the Carolina boom area from south of Myrtle Beach all the way north of Wilmington, North Carolina. My guest is Dr. Michael Kahn. He is a surgery practicing in a lot of areas around here. Dr. Khan, cheers. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you, John, for uh, having me on your show. All right. So it's great to have you here. Uh, by the way, I am drinking a clean vodka tonic. It's a Costco vodka squeeze of lime and orange and diatonic, and you are sipping on? I'm sipping on some special Woodford Reserve uh, bourbon on a little bit of ice. Nice. Have you always been a big bourbon fan? You know, I used to be a big Scotch fan. I still am, but I've kind of ventured out into bourbon and rum and tequila, all sipping varieties. And, you know, usually when we go on vacation, we'll try to find new and exciting drinks or cocktails or wines or beers or whatever. Oh, nice. So, so you got kind of that, that, that traveling palette. You're interested in, uh, in a lot of different things. Absolutely. We've been recently to New York, New Orleans, a couple other places, Charleston, and everywhere we go, we talk to the locals, find out what they like and what they drink and certainly try it out. And, you know, if it's good, we bring it back to North Carolina with us. Wonderful. Wonderful. That's great. Uh, you need to try the distillery. It's a 1233 distillery that's in North Myrtle Beach now. It just opened up and you sound like you would be perfect for it. So uh, we've actually done a, and I'll, I'll, I'll get you the link too. We've actually done a piece on this new distillery that opened up. It's actually a, a family from California that came out here and started it. And it has all this prohibition um, kind of memorabilia in there. It's got a speakeasy. And then on top of it, they make locally, um, local um, um, spirits. So they've got, they've got gin, they got vodka, they have a bourbon there, and it all has kind of a prohibition era local feel to it. So you'll, you'll get a kick out of that. You guys need to go down there and try it sometime. No, that's pretty awesome because when we were in Charleston last time, there's actually a um, a bar called Prohibition, which yes. is exactly like that, and that was really cool. And you know, if you go down to uh, just I think it's just south, uh, the Sweet Tea Vodka, uh, one of the Sweet Tea Vodka places actually uh-huh. has a distillery down there that we've been to, which was pretty neat. Yeah, and 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 uh, Charleston does have a number of them. This is the first one in the Myrtle Beach area, so you need you need to give it a try. Actually, we should go do there ourselves. We should go and uh, meet there and, uh, and and have a little bit more talking there. No um, doubt, no doubt. Okay, that'd be good. We are talking to Dr. Michael Kahn. You can learn more about him and reach him at Vein Clinics of America and also Dosher Memorial Hospital in Southport, North Carolina. So I've taken a little bit away. The first question I wanted to ask you is. Talk to folks, tell them about the areas of surgery you do and also the locations that I just mentioned that you're in. Well, John, I came down to North Carolina a while back and I live in a small town uh, called Whiteville, which is about 45 minutes from Wilmington, or about an hour from Wilmington, 
and an hour from Myrtle Beach. It's kind of a triangle. And I actually do, I actually uh, began practice as a general surgeon. I graduated from residency back in 2000 and moved down to North Carolina, joined an older surgeon, and then eventually, you know, when he retired, took over the practice. And over the last, you know, for 14 and a half years, worked in Whiteville. Then uh, had an opportunity to learn how to do veins, so didn't want to give up general surgery, um, but wanted to do veins as well. So kind of had a uh, come to Jesus moment and figured I'd try a little bit of different stuff. So currently I do uh, varicose vein surgery uh, four days a week and general surgery one day a week. Um, and left Whiteville, uh, the hospital had some disagreements with me. And so found a new place to work uh, in Southport, which is a cute little beach town uh, just south of Wilmington. And I do my general surgery out of Dosha Memorial Hospital there, a cute little hospital. Um, and so I do, you know, general surgery, anything from colonoscopies, endoscopies, gallbladder surgery, hernia surgery, breast surgery, colon surgery, you know, any pretty much a, an amalgamation of just about everything um, I was trained to do. So, and then the varicose vein surgery is done in Shalote. We have an office in Shalote uh, for Vein Clinics of America. And uh, Cameron Godarzy is the one who brought me on board, taught me everything I know. And, you know, that started about six years ago. All right. So so your uh, your taste buds for for spirits is very similar to your to your surgery. You, you try a lot of different things. Exactly. Um, you know, <laughs> being a general surgeon was, uh, you know, an an interesting residency, and I, I trained in a small uh, community hospital that was uh, very varied. We didn't have your ear, nose, and throat surgeons, your colorectal surgeons, your, you know, urology surgeons. We had them, but we didn't have any residents. So the surgeons figured they needed to teach us because they needed help. So we got to learn many different disciplines that most general surgeons don't get to do because we were, you know, we were sought after. So when I came down to a small town to practice general surgery, I was, you know, had to learn how to do endoscopies well. I had to learn how to do just about everything from trauma to, you know, your basic circumcision. Um, because in a small town, that's really what you have. You have to learn how to do everything because you're going to see everything. Wow. It's almost like going to war in some yeah. respects. <laughs> kind of, kind of, sort of. <laughs> All right. So you perform two procedures on me and I should tell people I'm healthy too, but still these are the type of things you, that, that, that you run into. Now the first, um, which I kind of joke led to my bathing suit model career now because of my <laughs> hot new legs. It's embarrassing when I'm talking to women, I'm going like, honey, my eyes are up here. Stop looking at my legs. I'll give you Dr. Khan's information and you can have <laughs> pretty legs just like me. Now you perform that vein procedure on my legs. Describe exactly what that was that you did to me. Well, we did a combination of two separate procedures. Um, we did what's called a, an, an ablation procedure. Basically, we destroy the inside lining of a long straight vein, and that's done with a laser fiber or a uh, radio frequency uh, device. And basically, once you destroy the inside of the vein and you add compression to it in the form of compression stockings, the vein seals, and then once the body recognizes that it's no longer functioning, it absorbs it. The second part of the procedure, or the second part of the, um, the, the process, is to destroy all the veins that, that feed into that vein, because if you don't, 
then you run the risk of that vein reopening because the body doesn't like things that aren't functioning and tries its darndest to reopen <laughs> that vein uh, by pulling out the little blood clot and trying to reestablish the uh, blood flow. But if you destroy all of the pathways to that vein, then the body has no choice but to absorb it. Okay. And then it w the blood flow then goes to the bigger, the bigger veins that you have deep inside your leg that, that work much better. Correct. You have a superficial system, which is everything between the skin and the muscle. And then you have a deep system, which runs between the muscles. That's the main avenue for blood to, to return in everybody. Um, but sometimes, you know, the superficial system, the little valves that prevent backward flow, they eventually, in some people, you know, get waylaid, either women during pregnancy, they have more blood than they normally do, and that causes the veins, the valves become leaky, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's hereditary, but eventually, you know, a lot of people have the veins or the, the valves go leaky, and that leads to increased pressure, and then eventually that leads to those valves failing, and then blood flows in the wrong direction, and that causes increased pressure in those veins, and it causes them to dilate and get bigger, and you know, the end result is big bulgy veins under your skin or little spider veins right on top of your skin. Those are the smallest, tiniest veins in your body, in your skin, that get so big that you can actually see them. Well, and that's what was happening with me. I just happened to notice it. I, I had some discomfort. I had swelling in one leg. It was itchy. It looked awful, especially if I was doing anything on camera. But um, I, one of the things I, I got from you is I could have had problems down the road with that since I travel a lot. Ex explain how common that is. Well, the, the actual disease process is, is very common. They say up to 65% of people have some form of venous insufficiency, which is what the, you know, the whole disease is called. Um, it can affect anyone from the age of like 14, the earliest, the youngest person I've done procedures on is, was 15, all the way up into people's 90s. So it, wow. it kind of cuts across all races, all socioeconomic, you know, fields. There are certain, you know, certain people who are more prone. Those are people who are on their feet all the time, like nurses, teachers, hairdressers, mm -hmm. construction workers. You know, anybody who's on concrete floors for the majority of their day, we tend to see a few more of those than others. But, you know, it, it affects everyone from your health. I mean, I've done long distance runners, golf pros to, you know, people who stay on the couch all day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, is it, is it dangerous if you don't get it taken care of? Well, you know, it's a progressive disease. It never goes away. Um, and even if you treat it, you know, you have other veins that can eventually go south. Mm -hmm. And long term, you know, it can cause enough inflammation to cause ulceration in your, in your, down by your ankles. It can cause a, a thickening of the skin that, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen people who have like legs that look like they have tree trunks or wooden, you know, that's yeah. chronic inflammation that comes from venous disease. Um, you can have, you know, people who have venous insufficiency are at a higher risk for blood clots actually in their, in their legs, believe it or not. Um, it's not significant, but it is definitely increased. So, you know, long-term we see a lot of people who come in with you know, some tiredness or heaviness in their legs. Maybe they don't even have any outward signs, no spider veins, no big bulges. But if we catch the disease early enough and treat it, then they don't run the risk of getting those things down the road. So, you know, a lot of times if we catch it with some just symptoms, a little bit of swelling, a little bit of, you know, itching, burning, uh, restless leg syndrome, mm -hmm. you know, 
neuropathy sometimes can be helped, night cramps. I mean, there are a lot of different symptoms that can be associated, not 100%. And there's a lot of different reasons you can get things like swelling or, you know, neuropathy. But, you know, we have found over the years that, you know, uh, a lot of people are helped that in areas they didn't even think they were going to be helped. So. Interesting. Uh, and, and this, uh, my uh, health care, uh, I have uh, medical cost sharing that actually took care of it. And, and usually most insurance takes care of this as well. Correct. As a matter of fact, um, the insurances are usually pretty good about it. If you can document that the disease is present with ultrasound and, you know, most insurance companies, in order to prove that it's medically necessary instead of cosmetic, will make uh, their customers wear compression stockings, which squeeze the bad veins down, pushing blood into the good veins, and usually reduce their symptoms. Um, and that really tells us that the procedure is going to work well. You know, they, the insurance companies are pretty good about it. Now, there are a couple who are a little bit more stingy or you know, Medicaid I will not cover it as if that's mm -hmm. their primary insurance, but, but by and large, your commercial payers and your, you know, your Medicare and your Medicare, you know, replacement plans all do pay for it as long as you have proper documentation and do all the, do all the right things to prove that the disease is there. And I got to tell I've had great results. I mean, my, my, my right leg actually looks looks normal. You did my left leg as well that didn't look like it needed it. But at the same time, too, uh, it's it's a big difference when I look down, especially when I'm playing golf in shorts. So uh, it's it's uh, definitely improved. I still wear the compression socks when I when I travel, like when I'm on a plane or uh, when I'm driving long distances. So but I've noticed a big difference and uh, it's certainly been really helpful. So uh, I'm, I'm very appreciative of that, needless to say. Uh, we are talking to Dr. Michael Kahn. You can learn more about him and reach him at Bain Clinics of America and also at Dosher Memorial Hospital in Southport, North, Car North Carolina. Dosher is spelled D-O-S-H-E-R. And if you haven't been to Southport, great little spot, as Doc was saying, you should go do that. Uh, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot on Undercover Jet Setters, we, we do a lot of medical tourism, which is another reason I wanted to get you on here. Um, we've done stuff in Cayman Islands, Penang, Malaysia. And um, I was thinking, you know, since this is a, a, an area where people visit, you know, there's a lot of snowbirds down here. Someone visiting the area, could, could they do this procedure? Um, you, know, I, you know, I was just thinking, you know, this could be a spot for medical tourism and that could be a, a, a good procedure because you need about, what, about six, seven weeks or so to go through that? Yeah, I would say, you know, for most people, again, it, it varies per person what veins are affected. But typically when we get someone in as a new patient, we say that it's usually five to six weeks of treatment if we're doing two treatments a week, depending, again, on how it is. And, you know, certainly, you know, anybody, the, the biggest issue would be the uh, stocking requirements and having the ultrasound done and then trying to get people in. To be honest with you right now, you know, we're so packed that, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's been good, but in, it's also been bad because we're, you know, we're just seeing so many new patients. At the end of the day, though, you know, it is about a six to, about a five to six week process add in a couple weeks for the ultrasound. So, you know, if someone came down, had the ultrasound and had, you know, got their stockings and then came back for six to seven weeks, absolutely. Uh, you know, you, you, you rent a place locally in Southport, in Shalote, in Ocean Isle, any of the little beach towns, and, you know, you can get your treatments done and, 
and, you know, go back wherever you are, you know, especially, I know we get a lot of Canadians down in this mm -hmm. neck of the woods, especially during the winter. I don't know how their insurance, but if they're cash pay patients, certainly they could get it done in a relatively quick and easy fashion. Um, you know, I would think winter would be a great time uh, exactly, to, to do is. that. Yeah, that would be super. Okay. All right, cool. Um, I don't think the Canadians, I don't think the Canadians, uh, I don't think their insurance would pay for it. I think they'd be cash pay. So I, I think so too. <laughs> All right. So uh, then I, I, I found out I needed a colonoscopy and lo and behold, I found out you performed that at Dozier Hospital in Southport. Now, uh, do, I would imagine you do a lot of those in this area just because we, we have a, a large amount of retirees. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, Southport especially has a community called St. James, which is nicknamed St. Jersey because they get a lot of retirees <laughs> from the New Jersey, New York, Connecticut area. We get a lot of people from, you know, Michigan, Ohio that come down this way and they settle in this area. Um, and, you know, the thing is, once you hit 50, that's when your screening colonoscopies start, or at least they should. And it's good if everything is normal, then it's once every 10 years. Now, if you have precancerous polyps or diverticulosis or other things, you know, we may do it once every five years. If you've got a family history of colon cancer, maybe every five years instead of every 10. Um, so, you know, there are certain things that would make us do it more frequently. But, but by and large, you know, you get all these people down here who, you know, have been getting them regularly and they need an outlet to have them done. So, you know, typically, like I said, I do this one day a week. So I'll be seeing 12 to 15 new patients in, in on a Friday afternoon and then in the morning doing anywhere between seven and 10 colonoscopies, some upper endoscopies and some surgeries, some gallbladders, some hernias, you know all that kind of stuff. So my Fridays have become my really busy day. You know, I get to Southport at seven in the morning, I have to leave my house in Whiteville at like 545. And I don't usually get home until about seven. So it's a long day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Saturdays are good sleeping days for you, although you have <laughs> kids. So maybe that's not going to happen. Um, no. Real quick, just just talk about the to me, because I, I hadn't I'd been about 10 years since I had a colonoscopy. It's it's quite a bit different now. I mean, it's it's you know, even though you don't like getting knocked out for that short period of time, it's really kind of quick and simple. And it's it's different from what it used to be over the last few years, right? Well, what I noticed is that, you know, uh, and again, I started doing them in Whiteville in, you know, in 2000. So I've been doing them for almost 20 years now. And what I've noticed is that, you know, initially we did a whole big gallon jug of something to clean you out the day before. And about about 10 to 12 years ago, I had so many patients that were so frustrated with that, that I kind of looked around and, you know, talked to some other physicians and got some ideas and came up with a, a different kind of prep, which you experienced, hopefully it wasn't too bad. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's less liquid, you know, it's a powder, it, it dissolves completely. And then a couple of, you know, laxative tablets before and after, and you, you're on clear liquid that whole day. And I'll tell you, 90% of my patients tell me it's, it's simply so much better than before that they're more willing to, you know, do their colonoscopy in, you know, 
five, 10 years than they were coming into this one. Cause a lot of them come in for their mm-hmm. initial consultation and like, I don't know, you know, the last <laughs> one was so, was such a, oh my God, I was cramping. I couldn't sleep. It was horrible. And I try to reassure them and say, listen, this will be better. Okay. And when they come back for their follow-up, uh, I'm telling you, most are very pleased and, you know, like I said, at that little hospital, they're really, our team is, our endoscopy team is very good. Our surgery team is very good. And I've got nothing but compliments about my staff and the hospital staff um, since I've been going there for the last five years. Well, I got to tell you, the hospital is great. Your staff is great. Your wife is is uh, your, your your top assistant there. So uh, everything you guys did that worked through me was just, was was really quick and easy. And, but I got to tell you, the only thing I'm really upset about was I thought that that concoction that you made me drink was just specifically for me because you said I could actually have white wine with that. Hey, listen, I'm not (laughs) recommending people take alcohol with their prep, but I can't lie. I can't lie. I've had people come back and tell me, yeah, Dr. Khan, you said half a gallon of something. I like beer. Was that okay? Hey, as long as you're cleaned out and you make it on time, I'm okay with it. (laughs) <laughs> that's great and, and primarily because it's it, it, it had to be like kind of a clear liquid like beer and white wine would go good probably red wine wouldn't be a good thing to do with that though no as a matter of fact clear liquids basically means no particles so no milk no you know soup anything with particles in it like uh-huh. orange juice with particles that's out anything that you can that is clear and also you know it can be you know dark colored it just can't have any particles okay and that's, that's primarily so it doesn't show up on the on the picture right so you don't have yeah. a whole bunch of stuff sitting in the colon while we're trying to look yeah okay all right cool all right um what's interesting are, are you are you finding uh, a, a lot of people are staying in this area to get procedures and again i've been coming down here for 30 years we've been living here for seven years and it used to be if you had something wrong with you or there's something kind of serious you would travel up to Raleigh-Durham. Uh, are, are you seeing more that people are coming down here and are finding more doctors like you? They're finding hospitals like Dosher that, that they want to go to. Are you seeing that more often? Well, I think what I'm seeing is you do have a lot of, at least in Whiteville where I live, there, there were a lot of physicians that came from out of town, you know, from New Jersey, from Pennsylvania, from Oregon, from, you know, different areas. And I think... As we've been down here, what I think is happening is that I've gained the trust of the people in the area who grew up here, who live here, because I've been here long enough and I understand them. But I also have that tie to the past where I grew up in New Jersey and went to school in Michigan and then went back to New Jersey. So I think the people who are coming down here tend to feel comforted that I'm from there. So mm-hmm. it's it's been a very unique kind of, you know, thing where, you know, I, I've gained the trust of everybody in the area for different reasons, but because, you know, it's it's just worked. I think some of the people from the north are a little leery of some of the doctors who, you know, were trained or grew up down here for whatever reason, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, but, I, I, and, I get that. and some of the Southern folks are a little leery of doctors from not around here, uh-huh. but, you know, having lived around here long enough and having, you know, 
tried to become part of the community, which I have. I mean, I've been in this small town for almost 20 years. You know, I've I've given a lot in, you know, time coaching youth sports and being on boards and being on, you know, committees and clubs and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I've ingratiated myself into the area where I live, but haven't let go of the past. So I am able to connect with just about everybody. And and what happened, and I'm, I'm hearing that a lot, that a, a lot of people are saying when they're moving down here in this whole area that I think from, you can even go down to Charleston, but I'm saying, you know, south of Myrtle Beach, all the way up past Wilmington is really booming. It's a boom area as far as people moving in here. And it's not necessarily big business. It's people who are moving in with, like you, smaller practices, or it's people who have businesses that they can do at home, where they can kind of office commute. And you're finding a lot of people like myself who are moving here because, you know, I have parents over here. And mm -hmm. so you kind of move in to take care of them. But that's the interesting thing is that this place is, even though we are in the South, it's it's really, it's become very homogeneous. So you have a lot of people from the Midwest. You have the people from, from the Northeast. You have a lot of people from uh, other parts of the country, even a little further West. So I, I think you're beginning to see kind of a homogeneous place that's also seems to be kind of a boom. Are you surprised at what you've seen over the last four or five years here of how things are really moving? And this is like, wow, this is actually a good place to stay and to be here for a long time. Well, that was the one thing, you know, you move to a small town like Whiteville and, you know, you're, it, it's not booming. Uh, it's, it's very small. It's, you know, I think further population. inland. It's for it's 45 to an hour inland. So, yeah. you know, you're not seeing those effects. But I will tell you that Brunswick County, I think, is one of the is the fastest growing county in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And it's the combination one of the fastest of the, in the country, too. Right. It's a combination of the beaches, the weather and, you know, the proximity, I think, to at least some of the things you're used to. You know, you're not if you're from the northeast, you're not going to find you know, the Italian food you're used to, the bagels you're used to. But there are people who have moved down, bagel bakers from New Jersey that I've found. There are some Italians from New York who've opened little restaurants. So mm -hmm. it's it's coming. It's getting there. It's not quite there yet. You know, so Brunswick County, Wilmington is growing, you know, it's and Leland is growing immensely. So those are, you know, areas. Myrtle Beach is, is you know, it, it, that's a funny town. It's a very destination town for most people. You know, it's a big spring break area, but you know, there are there is a pretty healthy population there and it seems to be increasing. They're continue to build houses just about everywhere, 501 corridor, you know, the 17 corridor all the way down to Charleston. So yep. You know. There's a lot of construction. There's a lot, and there's a lot of road construction going on as they're widening the highways too. So we are beginning to see that. So um, all right, well, great. Well, that's you know one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is because I'm, I'm I'm trying to to tell people that this people don't realize this is a boom area. So I, you know, I want to talk to people like you who can who can definitely talk about it because there's a lot of other businesses that are doing the uh, same thing too. So so let, let me just say thank you for for the work you've done on me. It's been great, and um, I uh, I appreciate your your business and I would refer people to you uh, anytime and you've just uh, you, you've been great to work with so I appreciate it. Well I certainly appreciate that and uh, all your help in promoting my business and you know let's meet for a cocktail down at this uh, prohibition place. 
we'll definitely go down. It's a 1233 distillery that's in North Myrtle Beach, and uh, we will definitely do that. We've been talking to Dr. Michael Kahn, who is a surgeon practicing out of North Carolina. You can, if you're anywhere from Southport to Shalot or Whiteville, for more information on him, you can go to Vein Clinics of America, or you can go to Dosher Memorial Hospital in Southport, North Carolina. Dr. Michael Kahn, cheers. Thanks for joining us. Cheers back and appreciate it. I appreciate it too. And we will have more on Undercover Jet Setter exploring the boom in this part of the country. Keep swinging easy, folks. For more on Undercover Jet Setter, go to UndercoverJetsetter.com and check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.